Welcome back. It's a brand new episode of Pop Cannon. This is episode 73. We are your hosts. My name is Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joe. We're talking about Nightmare Alley. It's a new film from director Guillermo del Toro, a very esteemed director in his own right. You're really nailing the name, too. I can never get that right. Guillermo it's, del Toro. It's tricky. It's tricky. Guillermo. Yeah. But Guillermo. anyway, um, <laughs> it is available on HBO Max streaming. So if you have not seen it, uh, it's a beautiful film. It's elegant. It's a noir stylized mm. uh, crime thriller type movie. Um I would say that that kind of encapsulates mm-hmm. uh, my raw opinion mm-hmm. of what this movie is. Um, you left out Carney. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful from start to finish. I enjoyed looking at this film. Uh, the acting was really, really well performed throughout. And uh, Bradley Cooper really impressed me in this movie. Those were my initial thoughts, but now <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you guys. So, uh, Robert, why don't you lead us All off right. with your initial I will, thoughts? I will tell you what I thought about this film. I very <laughs> much liked it. <laughs> uh, I thought it was great, actually like really great. Like you said, the look of it, the acting, I enjoyed the story as well. Um, kind of not knowing where the hell we were going with this we were just kind of following this guy's life at from a certain point um but yeah i thought it was a lot of fun um and i felt like i got sucked into it a little bit uh, specifically the set design and the art direction and stuff like that but guillermo del toro is like notoriously good with all of those things and all of his previous work so like going into this knowing it had like that carnival atmosphere i was like really interested to see what it was going to look like and i was thoroughly impressed by it sarah what did you think um i really liked it i wanted to see this um actually in theaters when i first saw the trailer but i really liked it uh visually i thought it was great i think it's really funny that you use the word kind of like elegant and beautiful because it was really grimy like for a lot of it it was very grimy and um gruesome yeah mm-hmm. but um they really encapsulated i think like the the time the 40s the very early 40s the late uh, 30s um and just that kind of like carnival um, atmosphere it kind of reminds me there's a few like books and movies that are kind of like set at that time and they all have that kind of like seedy underbelly kind of feel um but i think my favorite part was probably the acting i um as i'm sure like we'll get into it more i just thought uh, like the casting was spectacular and that like every actor really sold their role. So I found myself really um, just enjoying every time you met somebody new on screen, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Joe, how about you? I did like the movie overall. Um, I think like I feel a little more critical seeing it is like Oscar season and this did get a best picture nom. And I really don't think this was the best picture of the year. I don't think it's even like the best that we've talked about all year. Um, its other nominations are production design, costume design, and cinematography, all of which I do think it deserves. I love the production design. I love the carnival and then the contrast mm-hmm. when we get to Chicago and all that like art mm-hmm. deco. I was obsessed with Dr. Ritter's office. Like it was yeah. just amazing <laughs> to look at. The costume designs, yes, like those super baggy pants, everything looked very in keeping with the time. And the performances, for the most part, yeah, were good. I I don't know that I fully believed uh, Bradley Cooper's performance the entire time, Um, but I don't know why I've had like this weird bias with Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Like I I didn't enjoy him in um, uh, what was that like heist movie that they did? 
American Hustle? American Hustle, yeah. No, that was was that it? I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy American I liked American that movie a lot. Really? I, I don't, I don't know why. It just really oh, didn't man. hook me, and I felt really like alienated the whole time I was watching it. Um, wow. But that's an entirely different episode. <laughs> um, the other <laughs> thing that I really that. had an issue with was the story here. Everything felt really unbalanced to me. I think they spent too much time setting up the world of the carnival th- to then leave it behind. Not, yeah, um, yeah. And then the entire Stan and Molly relationship was just so fast-tracked at every step. Like we barely see them interact and then they're like in love and they leave together and then we barely see them interact and then their marriage is falling apart. Um, <laughs> well, there was a two-year time jump. Yeah. But exactly. That's like even worse. We didn't see like and everybody, everything seemed to be going fine for those two years. And then all of a sudden it got Mm -hmm. bad. Um, It's usually the way it goes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Robert said that you were um, you were surprised by some of those story elements. I felt most of them were pretty predictable. Um, The entire like geek storyline, it felt pretty obvious to me that that was where he was ending up, especially even just like in that scene after they bring him to the Salvation Army and he's telling him how he recruits a geek and it's like oh you just find somebody with nowhere else to go and you offer them a job and like I'm thinking like oh like you did with him the only thing missing (laughs) was his alcoholism which he then pretty quickly devolved into Um, and then I will say I really loved everything with Pete Um, the the mentalist Mm -hmm. who taught Mm -hmm. him what he knew all of those moments felt really genuine and they really i think cut to actually the heart of what this movie was trying to say (laughs) the entire like mystery of like what happened with his dad in that opening scene there wasn't really a lot of like a satisfying ending to that except to say like yeah he killed him in a really fucked up way and i felt that the the brutality at the end of this movie was a really hard turn i think like the most brutal thing you saw before that was the thing with the chicken's head um Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. like that last 10 yeah yeah like 10 minutes of movie was just like full throttle more than we saw for the last like two hours that like it just didn't really sit right with me given how the rest of the movie had gone see i disagree with that to a certain extent because i almost feel like they built towards that and like amped up the tension in a way that like it needed to explode like that Mm mm-hmm so it was such a critical moment in this character's life that we're seeing where everything explodes in its face. Mm-hmm. So we are along the ride. So then someone him. else's face has to explode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, to that point, like, I do feel like they built up the tension really well and that it did need to be released. And I. I don't think that the violent like we don't know necessarily where he came from aside from finding out eventually that he did kill his dad um but I think the impetus of it was like he's always had like a violent streak in him and was really doing a lot of work <laughs> to keep away from that kind of shit and then once he fell into booze or back into booze depending on how you feel about his story um slipped back into that violence like very easily because it's what he knows he can do yeah um yeah and i think that and i don't even think that i'm really necessarily inferring that much i think that was all kind of fairly laid out yeah he does have the line about like the white ribbon and everything so you know that he yeah. he was a recovered alcoholic um and that's like the one thing like i don't have an issue with like the speed at which he devolved once he started drinking just because i know that's like oh yeah a pre- pretty realistic of behavior yeah. once you relapse yeah. that way plus in in addition to the lifestyle that he was living at the time he was right. he was riding so high right mm-hmm. and but the the fucked up thing about him falling back into the alcoholism is that she knew she could get him to Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was like it was like a setup all along to get him into it which i was just like dude what the fuck yeah because well that's just like all like 
throughout, like, the undercurrent throughout the whole film is basically that he kind of sets himself apart from everybody else, like, in mm-hmm. a way where he thinks that he's better than everybody else. Like, he says it at the circus, like, right away. He's like, like, if I'm better than this, you're sure as hell better than this or whatever. Right. And just, you know, the whole thing with, well, <laughs> like, he doesn't drink, which is like, I kind of took it as, you know, him, because there's obviously such tension with his father and that whole idea of I got, like, he doesn't want to become his father, but that's who he, of course, becomes, you know, alcoholic, degenerate, you know, that's why, like, when I saw the ending of him kind of embodying the geek, like, I knew from a, tori- a storytelling perspective, like, that's where you have to go because the whole thing is just a giant circle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it kind of, you know, it starts with, him you know the scene of him you know killing his father you know burning the house well then it ends up with him like he is going to die alone in a hole and nobody's gonna give a shit you know what i mean so like but i agree like that some of the pacing was definitely off i think you had certain things that felt really long drawn out and then other things that you know like the relationships is kind of almost barely covered um but you know i i definitely saw like just a pattern throughout the whole thing which i thought was nice because everything did in a way feel cohesive yeah and i think the pacing issues aside with that it's more of an artistic decision in letting the camera linger on the actors because i felt that a lot more in each scene Mm -hmm. it was more drawn out and it felt like it was more highlighting the performance in that moment than anything else. Like, I don't think that this mm-hmm. movie is best picture quality. Like Joe said, like it, it wasn't anything crazy for me. Um, I was excited to see it. Uh, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad we covered it. Um, but I don't think that it's like incredibly memorable from a story perspective. Like, yes, it's incredibly satisfying, when he takes that shot at the end, it's incredibly satisfying because they've built his character up to be such a piece of shit. So to yeah. find himself back in that spot at the end and he knows exactly what's in that drink and he willingly takes it anyway mm-hmm. because he has nowhere else to go. It's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah that's it. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I had texted you. I don't remember. I don't remember what reason I texted you for, other than to be like, "Oh my god, he's going to become the geek, isn't he?" But it was like before he even went into that carnival. It's like when he woke up on the train. I was like, "Oh no," because his hair was all long. And I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" But like, like you said, it's super satisfying to like watch the actual like line for line how Willem Dafoe explained it in the beginning of the movie happened to him like he knows the game <laughs> and he still was like well gotta do it you know something they need a geek and I'm here <laughs> yep but some things that did stand out as insane to me were like we had talked about earlier the set design mm-hmm Mm. Uh, some of the craziest carnival visuals I've ever seen in on film, uh, the way that the camera moved around a room was so entrancing to me. I mm. loved, I loved it personally, all of the stuff in the first act with the carnival, uh, the way it looked and, uh, the visuals, what'd you guys think? I mean, I knowing that that was going to be part of it and knowing that it's Guillermo del Toro at the head of it, like I fully expected to get one of the most like disgusting displays of what a carnival could look like, but also like oddly beautiful because he does he does this thing where he just kind of like everything's pretty, but, you know, it's all dirty. Uh, and that's what I really appreciate about like his aesthetic and like all of his films, like Pan's Labyrinth and 
fuck, except for like Pacific Rim for me. I don't like, but otherwise, I love all of this shit. Like Shape of Water, fucking was amazing. I thought that film was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that in itself was kind of predictable, but he he no like some people can't end a story. Some people can't write an ending that's satisfying or tight or ties back, and he's really good at that part of it <laughs> so i feel like um at least when you when the credits roll you're not like i just don't know if i liked all like i just feel like he gives you a satisfying film every time yeah he i mean he didn't really update the core story from the original film um to my knowledge like it always ends with him in alcoholism and accepting the role as this carnival's new geek which isn't like so much a criticism, like a remake is a remake. Um, I think that he added most of the story element of his father. Um, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Um, or at least he threaded it throughout more. I did love that touch of like the rewinding shot of the fire. It was a very like mm-hmm. surreal kind of shot to yeah. show you kind of the character's mental state. Keeping on the track of the ending, though, it it just keeps giving me like the sense of like those kind of older short stories where like there's like a twist ending and like you just kind of like can imagine like it fades to black and then like Guillermo del, Tor- del Toro's there like and he goes wasn't that fucked up? <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's that kind of feeling that like I don't know. I guess that kind of thing does have its place, but it just, it doesn't really do it for me anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't know like that much about like film noir and stuff like that. So I just, I was wondering if maybe that's like typical of the genre to kind of have that sort of, I was going to say Scooby-Doo ending, but it's not a Scooby-Doo ending necessarily. It is kind of a thing of noir. I feel like that, like, everything kind of falls apart for everybody by the end besides like if it's like Mm. a detective story or whatever like they might end up like where they were if not maybe like a little bit lower um but like everything around them is kind of not restored and it's always dames it's always dames Uh, (laughs) yeah but no circling back to the the look of the circus Mm -hmm. um the the design that he put together of uh what was her thing it was called electra or whatever right yeah the the spinning thing in the back with the electric chair and shit like that like that looked really sweet um mm-hmm. the spider girl yeah, sticks out that was cool. as like a thing that one was cool and then also that the the enoch baby in the in the the jar yeah. was like disgusting and fun to look at especially in the credits where you go in yeah they like made such a big deal out of enoch and i was just like i don't know how much that really had to do with the overarching plot besides like oh he's always watching maybe we're yeah enoch. he <laughs> he apparently drew that and added that in <laughs> to like this version of the movie so like that was one of his drawings that he had in his original notebook when he was sketching out ideas for the movie. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I also feel like that American Horror Story might have ruined this setting for the rest of time, or at least for like the next five years, because that was really all I could think of while I was watching. I was like, oh, I can't believe they made a movie out of American Horror Story Freak Show. <laughs> I fell hard out of that season. It was, yeah. it was not Yeah, good. I never finished it. Uh, I've never watched that show. I really liked the You're, first two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the first three episodes of that first season. Comment below <laughs> if you want us to do an S1E1 of American Horror Story. <laughs> Please don't. Oh. I do that. <laughs> oh, God. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to Nightmare. <laughs> back to but, like, everybody, like, it's one of those films where everybody kind of sucks. So you don't even know necessarily who to root for, because even if you find yourself rooting for like Bradley Cooper throughout the thing, it's like, oh, wait, we know he killed his father. So we know he's not a good person, but like we are still drawn to him because he's that main character that you see throughout. But like he's a shitty person. Dr. Lilith, she's kind of a shitty person, too. I mean, she has her reasons. We can definitely talk about that. Um 
but it's just like, I don't know, everybody's awful. And even, I mean, it's weird, but I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I guess some of the more redeeming people are at the carnival, but even then it's like, are any of them actually good people at heart? So it's like, who do you, like, who the hell do you cheer for? I felt like you know, Tony maybe Molly character was like pretty fun. Yeah. No, she was definitely Zena. fun. Zena was a lot of fun. Yeah, Zena and I think she was uh, her probably husband, I thought, were like Peter. awesome characters. Two, ten cent tub and rug, dude. You can't... You can't, <laughs> can't beat it. Can't I mean, you it, can. <laughs> like... I saw that I saw something that said t- uh, inflation would make that like almost two dollars now, and I'm like, damn! Even then, she was cheap as fuck. Like that's pretty. She probably had a really good business going there. Probably a really good business going there. <laughs> but I also really liked Rooney Mara's yeah. character, as Molly. Yeah. yeah, she was sweet. I don't necessarily think that everyone's unlikable. I just think that no. the main characters that we're following and showcasing are miserable, terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the kind of ambiguity of the carnival that like there was, I forget what the exact line was, but it's like these people, these are a collection of people who had nowhere else to go, no matter what they did. It's so like the, there are good people. Mm-hmm. There are bad people. And they all and you don't just kind of depend on each other, no matter like they don't they put that all aside. Um, yeah. yeah, and like the past doesn't define you at the carnival. Yeah, and like Ron Perlman <laughs> is like the strong man who's like trying to be awesome. like the father figure to her. It was sweet mm-hmm. um, when he, they show up in the city and he, they bring in the food. He goes, "Ooh!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I especially like that he was eating with a cigar. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah. The best thing about that this movie for Ron Perlman is that he barely had to dress up or act. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> He was just like, I get to smoke cigars in every scene. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> really at home for him. But no, I loved seeing Ron Perlman uh, in it as like the strong man. And I thought it was funny that he was wearing, he kind of wasn't like, you would assume most strong men would be like showing off their physique, but he was wearing like a costume because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. he's like 70 or something. Uh, <laughs> I honestly love like the entire cast of this was like great to see, but I feel like kind of underutilized at the same time um like i wanted to as much as like i already said like the plot was very like meandering and like all over the place for me i did want to see more from some people like holt mcelaney um i don't know if you guys have watched mindhunter but he's really amazing in that um and i like i was really glad to see him here but then you didn't really get to see him do much of anything besides i don't i don't trust you (laughs) Um, was he like the sheriff guy oh sorry he was the whatever like the was. bodyguard for um what's his name ezra ezra yeah is it earl uh, yeah yeah so he's i know i saw him and i was like oh i know him yeah to that point too it also felt like it was mostly bradley cooper acting opposite all of these people versus oh, yeah. all mm-hmm. of these people mm-hmm. interacting with each other because yeah. that's a different movie right yeah it was very much like Bradley Cooper running around the carnival and like, I got to go have a scene with Molly real quick. And then I got to come back and talk. To <laughs> um, yeah. And he like, and he's running like a different scam with everybody around. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, which him, I get him is the like eccentric con man was a very like interesting little story. Mm-hmm. It felt more like one-on-one time with Bradley Cooper. That's true. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where they could have been more utilized in different pairings and shit like that. Like I really liked Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Like, like unbelievable perform. And like they were going for old, old school Hollywood like silver screen star. And they, I feel like they really nailed how she would be lit and how she would talk. And yeah, they just that whole that's a whole thought put into that character and i think they fucking crushed it yeah she was very much the femme fatale and like the Mm kind of like trope of her like hidden scar and her like shadowed past um i'm like not a huge fan of the trope of the like vindictive 
uh, psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, but it like was satisfying for her after like trying to take him down in the beginning um, and being shut down to like letting him think he was in control and like completely yep. toppling him by the end. It, that was satisfying mm-hmm. in its own way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and she just, she just had such like a, a crazy arc in the movie because she's not even in it until a certain point. So right. by the time she shows mm-hmm. up, you're like, oh, we get to open a new chapter of this film. Like we're flipping through a book when she's there and they do like that whole scene where she tries to call him out. That whole scene's incredible. The scene in her office right after that is fucking incredible. And then the one that mm-hmm. they do the therapy session in yeah. just like three separate, just, I felt like tour de forces from both of them back to back to back in the movie. Cause that's like, there's almost like an hour left mm-hmm. kind of around that point where you mm-hmm. get to that. And that's where like, they're setting so much shit up to knock down and, but yeah, like that crux of the movie where you get them hanging out together and like talking and you see the interplay and how he's well, even like dealing with her. Yeah. And that first therapy session, like that's the point where like the writing to me was really tight and probably like the smartest because there's so much like little innuendo to everything she's saying <laughs> and mm-hmm. because she, like mm-hmm. and it's because you know that she's saying it with intention to fuck with him. Like when she says to yeah. like lay down because we can get deeper. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but she knows she knows that she can use that against him because she, as much as he's clocked her, mm-hmm. she has doubly the knows the score for this guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? She can use that, uh, like she says at the end, that like he needs his mommy, so she acts like that for him mm-hmm. to get what she wants out of him. Yeah. And that yeah. entire first scene where they meet each other, it's entirely just trying to one up each other. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a constant mm-hmm. game of cat and mouse between yeah. each other. And, and I think and he's already turned on by that. <laughs> and I think that's like the most frustrating thing of, of like the tropiness of like the movie mental health physician that like they're running the same scam that like, oh, like I can read mm-hmm. people and I use it against them it's like well no that's not what a doctor does but like i guess very broad strokes sure <laughs> well this sh- this one shitty doctor does yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know who else's performance i thought was uh really good even though it wasn't in the film very long was richard jenkins yes dude like out of nowhere bearded richard jenkins first of all (laughs) totally different feel (laughs) he was just like right out of the gate like i bought everything that they were saying about him yeah he was a really intimidating guy yeah Um, ezra mm -hmm. was like a really complex character because like you kind of got the vibe that he might have been a serial killer um and then by the end you realize oh he probably was a serial killer yeah, or serial something. Yeah, I mean he's a serial <laughs> abuser and like a sexual That's predator a and all that stuff. It. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, he kept he specified the word girls when he said it, so I was like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> the, the so like what happens yeah. to him? You're kind of like, well, he's. Hey, I also took that as like he's a sexist. He yeah. views every. Yeah. He's all. He's a piece of shit who yeah. treats women like garbage. And, yeah. It was a different time. (laughs) Sarah, your thoughts. No comment. (laughs) Jordan, it was all it was all locker room talk, Jordan. (laughs) But but Richard Jenkins did like put on a really good performance and like actually seemed haunted by some of the stuff that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. The way that the way that he bought it being her like up to and including when he had her in his arms (laughs) uh was like you could tell that he's just there's a a massive amount of desperation i mean it was reeking off of him to begin with but like seeing him like grovel at the sight of her was like fucking really intense and then the realization of of it 
and then like not letting go of her and then making a point to say, hey, let go of her and like definitely not letting go of her still. I was like, oh, we're getting a very quick look into what he was talking about. That's that's good. And it is satisfying for like Stan's dive that like he's given every out he could possibly get from like everybody. They're like, don't do this. Don't do this. Up to even Mm -hmm. Ezra right before they start. It's just like we don't have to. Let's do just this. not do this. Yeah. And he, but he yeah. plows on even, even in that. So like, yeah. Up to that point, you're like he's doing it like out of fear of Ezra. But then when he finally gets permission from Ezra, he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, because it's, it's his ego, and it circles yeah. back to that whole thing where like you know they said it's like, um, Pete said it. It's like you just you believe the lie, yeah. and then like that's you mm-hmm. get too big, and he got too big where he probably actually like he believed heart of hearts that he was gonna pull this off and have like so much yeah. money yeah. and he just didn't think like you know the, the reality of the situation was who's actually gonna think that she's you know a dead girl like mm-hmm. how you know i don't know yeah and that that first scene with lilith definitely kind of sealed his fate in that respect where he crosses kind of the threshold of like i can do this like I can yeah. go beyond yeah. what Pete taught me and like all the signals and stuff. Like I can figure out what's in that bag without any of those tricks. Cause I've got my own. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's when he's like already like past that point and everything that comes after is just inevitable at that point. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cause he turned that card. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? He did. <laughs> Miss Miss Cleo told us when we were younger that the cards don't lie. So, as soon as that entire cemetery scene like began, there was a sense of, oh God, what is going to go wrong? Because you knew that it yeah. wasn't going to work out successfully, and everyone was going to go home of happy. Course. You're waiting for that moment of like yeah what's wrong i was waiting for molly to like straight up like leave or something mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. show up i was so shocked that her character actually went through with it yeah i thought for sure that um his uh his bodyguard was gonna blow the whole thing up yeah i really thought he was like i thought he was gonna just be like looking out the windows instead of sitting down with a newspaper uh, <laughs> to like make sure everything was going to be okay. Like he pretended to care about the whole time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I was very Um, grateful in the face of all of that, like brutal shit at the end that Molly did get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I was definitely Mm -hmm. worried. I think like, you know, in the hands of another director, she might've been, you know, brutally killed. The first one. Collateral damage. Right. Just like she has to suffer. I feel like to leave him. I feel like everyone kind of got what they had coming to them. Mm-hmm. Aside mm-hmm. from Lilith. For the most part. But. Yeah. I don't think the bodyguard needed to get run over twice. But no. You don't know his past, <laughs> Joe. He seems like a scary dude. All right. Yeah. Well, wait, didn't he, didn't he say something to the effect of that him and Ezra go like, go like way back? Yeah. So maybe he did right? work to like cover up all the shit that he did. And Willem Dafoe's character seemed to have like retired happily. <laughs> Seems One can like assume. it. <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be a spinoff. Oh, that guy! No, he got kicked in the dick by a donkey. And he died. <laughs> he gave me Enoch and then died on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I thought Clem was a carny. He was everything yeah. that a carny represents in my brain when mm-hmm. I think about one. <laughs> How yeah, hasn't it, Willem Dafoe be cast as a carny more often? I mean, it's just That's like... That's what I want to know. He, he, I don't know. It's like perfect. He like is... He kind of looks like a carny even like in other roles. So like... <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between this character and his character in The Lighthouse? There's the accent. One was in black and white. The, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of accents, Bradley Cooper did like four of them in this movie, and I thought he did a really good job with all of them. Did he? The northern one, or was that that was when they were in Chicago when he met Lilith? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His like mm-hmm. fancy boy accent. He didn't was, like fine. He but. yeah, he didn't do like a Chicago accent. No, yeah, he did no. like a uh like a 
it was upper echelon. It was a accent. showman's accent. Yeah, like it definitely. Mm-hmm. It was just like, so much different. It was just so much different than his regular speaking voice and his previous acts speaking <laughs> voice that I was like, oh shit, he sounds completely different here. Yeah, and maybe that's mm-hmm. why I just thought it was like good in that it was not the same voice like at all it almost he had like yeah. a little bit i heard like a little bit of rocket in certain words uh, the way that he was pronouncing them um but like i i was like really surprised um the last couple of things i've seen bradley cooper in including this have been really good and he's done a really fucking good job like uh when he a star is born which he also fucking like directed i guess i didn't see that phenomenal one. dude I haven't seen fucking it. Movies amazing. Fucking movies so good. I was like dead set against it because I didn't care, and then I watched it <laughs> and literally bawled my fucking eyes out. Um, such a great film, and he did a great job with it. So, uh, seeing him in that and then seeing him in this, I'm like, yeah, Bradley Cooper's all right. We're good. <laughs> and then what was what was the other one before that? Silver Silver Linings. He was in that. He was fucking great in. Yeah. He's really been, yeah, that I was feel good. Like he's been doing a really good fucking job. Joe doesn't like his acting, but I don't know what it is. He just doesn't <laughs> do it for me. But no, I can understand to a certain point, especially in this movie, because there's a lot of like silent moments where you're like the camera's just on him. Yeah. And you're either being reflective or whatever with him or you're just staring at the guy thinking. Uh-huh. Um, and that's mm-hmm. how I felt in Dune watching Timothy Chalamet. So I understand what you're saying. Um, where I was just like, why are we fucking looking at this guy all the time? Nothing's happening. I get that. <laughs> but like you said, like, oh, he did like four different accents. Cute. But I feel like he was only supposed to do like two. <laughs> I felt like the accent was kind of wandering. No, I felt like he had his regular speaking voice when he was being himself. And then he had like more of a southern Draw. accent when he was doing when he was speaking to certain people. And then, yeah. then the 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 showman voice that he was doing. He he just puts on a show for everyone, and yeah. in my yeah. opinion, he acts differently when he's around Depending different he's around. people. Because yep. he completely so, was changing. Yeah, because it ties back to um, it was Tony Collette's character. Um, she said something about like she told him like to change his voice. Like if you're mm-hmm. up in Michigan, you know, talk like yeah, you're yeah. from Michigan, and um, kind of you know in that one in that setting, he had more of a draw, and he just but he like had like you even see his face change. He just like looks like almost innocent, like naive, just like very blank face, mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. smile. It was obviously, like, it was intentional, which there was, like, a few things where I just thought, like, like little details that played really well Mm -hmm. throughout. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess there'd be, like, three accents or something. I did love that. I don't know. The line at the very end that you're just an Oki with straight teeth. That really just really cut to the (laughs) bone. (laughs) It's such, like, it's such, like, if everybody was around, they would have been, like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) That's a record scratch one. <laughs> I really was surprised to see Tim Blake Nelson show up yeah. at the end of the movie. Pleasantly He's surprised. He's too. Exactly. He's a great Him and too. Willem Dafoe, couple of couple of carnies. I feel like the only guy missing is Jack Earl Haley, and they would have been fucking set, man. <laughs> <laughs> the definitive Mount Rushmore def- of Carney. <laughs> Acting. <laughs> Carney acting, not even like character Carney. actors, just Carney acting. No, Carney. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the dude from Westworld was in it earlier, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. That's his name. That's what I recognize yeah. him from. I was like, mm-hmm. I know Funhouse Jack, but I didn't remember what from. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, we're in Carnival World. Lawrence. Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah, Carnival World, right? That'd be fucking crazy. (laughs) That'd be so creepy. So many clowns. We did not see a single clown in this movie. You knew they were there, though. (laughs) You knew they were there. (laughs) I could smell them. (laughs) They're always slightly out of frame, (laughs) but they're there. Like the camera goes this way and 
you just missed a clown <laughs> on a unicycle like coming around. <laughs> <laughs> was this like before clowns were like really big in carnivals or something? Because this is more like vaudeville <laughs> acts and stuff. A pre-clown world. I think. I think that like before clown. early clowns weren't like that funny though. Like there well, wait, was this. Clowns were yeah, very but, popular until Stephen King wrote it, and then clowns are ruined no. forever. I think that's an actual thing that kids used to love clowns before Stephen no, King. No, we've talked about this before, Have guys. We? Welcome. We're to, to understand that kids loved clowns, but we don't know that for sure. That's true. <laughs> it's it's a fallacy. Big, big clown <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> You're just out here stumping for big clown. <laughs> Well, I was you just believe- going to say that there. I was looking up the date, but in 1855, there was a clown riot in Toronto. Riot? <laughs> it was clowns versus cops, I think. Uh, gentlemen, I'll be so right look back. I have up. an idea for an app. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's a great band name. Clowns versus cops. <laughs> There's a horn uh, section. Follow us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> well no i was just saying that because most of the acts at this specific carnival were more vaudeville there wasn't like a ringmaster and elephants and shit like, it was this was more yeah like a, it was more sideshow yeah yeah it was less like big top circus kind of deal and more just like a i think a straight up carnival i think yeah. we've kind of merged the yeah. two ideas in our head but i think they're for a while at least were separate but they i mean they made a point to say that they were uh going to town to like team up with another carnival so i think maybe that's where you'd get that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so maybe we were in like a non-clown situation could be which, I, which to think that guillermo del toro reserved himself on the carnival clown stuff <laughs> Like, that would have been horrifying. Guy, imagine his take on a clown. Like his take on everything is fucking creepy and weird. Imagine his take on a clown. He was like, I'm not ready to give that to the world yet. I need my own thing for that. I think. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, um, does anyone have anything else? Any final thoughts on Nightmare Alley? One other weird thing that bugged me was like the constant not constant like they would only happen twice but it was very like ham-fisted references to world war ii um mm-hmm. that's like yeah like i know it's the 40s like you don't have to remind me he's like oh you hear so, about that charlie chaplin looking fellow just invented poland and i'm like all right and it's like he's joe so, you don't think that these people would be talking about those things back and in then the day the bodyguard like before he hears about the murder suicide it's like okay that's fine for him to hear about it's like oh we're going to war i'm like all right I know we did that. I thought <laughs> it has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't sure when this was until they said that. They might have very clearly stated when this movie was, and I probably very well missed it. But I, when they said it was literally moments before that, that in my head I was like, when is this? <laughs> Because I kind I got, of was like, I because I was thinking anywhere from twenties to forties at least. Like I was thinking yeah. in there, so I wasn't really sure where we were until they were like stamped it, and I yeah. kind of was like, wasn't sure if I liked necessarily that they stamped it, but at the same time they answered a question I had, literally had just thought as they were answering it. So I was like, I, okay. I'll, I accept that. I feel like I had enough information when he was just like, here's a dollar for a full night's work. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, (laughs) To me, that that narrows it down. Absolutely none. I got a good sense from the opening, like five minutes that this was like very close, if not in the great depression. So it was like thirties or forties. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I, I gave it like a 20-year window that I didn't really know, and they just were like, oh, late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. They just kind of... <laughs> they anchored you in. War. So that line... It worked It worked for me, but it didn't work for Joe. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I felt like I got enough, like, without the, like, 
by the way, World War Two. Remember? <laughs> well, that was the thing too when they said that when they made the when they had the first line about the war. I don't remember how they worded it. I don't know if they said the Great War or something like that. And I was like, okay, wait, is this World War One? Because <laughs> at first I still they said he died in no man's land. Yeah, no man's land is and, a very World War One thing. Right. So I was like, okay, so that was previous to this. So that this must be now. Well, okay. Like that yeah. also helped the, the woman's son that died. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. That went to war. <clears throat> That's what that was. And then she shot her husband and killed herself. Yeah. Which was like, God damn. It's pretty intense. It really. Cause uh, he lied. Cause he lied. Ratcheted things up. You don't do spook shows. Uh, but yeah, any, <laughs> any other shows. any other final thoughts on Nightmare Alley? I mean, final thoughts. It it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it'll be in my regular rewatch allocation, but um, you know, I think I'd watch it again in the future at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to like focus on other like elements mm-hmm. that might like kind of predict you know what'll happen like those little because like i said i saw some of those like little hints so i'd be interested in like finding out more and just paying attention to more of like the ensemble just to see like what you know he's thinking and to see how well um they did with that but yeah it was it was good i think if i would have saw in theaters i wouldn't have been disappointed that i went and that's how Mm -hmm. i rate Mm -hmm. things yeah i think this would have been worth like paying money to see because i'm sure on a larger screen not in my living room it would have looked incredible (laughs) really cool yeah joe any final thoughts yeah i mean i definitely had a lot of criticisms throughout this episode um but i did have a good time watching it and i did think it looked good yeah, I like I'm definitely not in love with it and I don't really rewatch movies anyway, but I don't regret it if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um you don't feel like your time was wasted. No. Yeah. I thought it was great. I had a good time. I don't know w- what deserves to be or not be nominated for best picture. Um this getting that nomination like I feel good about it just because I've seen this movie. I don't know what else has been nominated for that. Um, but I'll definitely like be hoping that this wins as many awards as it's up for because I've seen this one. It's really hard to decide whether or not you want to put weight into the Academy Awards or not because it's bullshit. But at the same time, it's a prestigious award. So I wrestle with that every time like when shit i don't like doesn't win i'm like nah they're bullshit anyway but when a shit wins that i do like i'm like fuck yeah that's what the fuck is up you know so i kind of feel like it's just like if you put rooney mara in a period piece it's gonna get nominated for best picture at this point (laughs) yeah she just has that look the girl with the electroshock therapy chair tattoo (laughs) she just uh she just thought to herself to go numb and she did this movie had a lot of really good moments and i don't think i'll necessarily need to rewatch it ever but i had a good time while i was watching it Mm -hmm. visually it's stunning uh So if I ever need to, I could always put this movie on to have in the background while I'm Mm -hmm. doing various activities. Because at any point, you could stare at the screen and just be enamored with what you're seeing. There's always something visually interesting going on in the frame. So I completely applaud that. But there's also the performance aspect. I talked about it earlier. Uh, Mm. Like I said, Toni Collette, I thought was great. She was my favorite character if i had to pick one um but bradley cooper bravo uh great job making me despise you (laughs) (laughs) the funnest Uh, of facts as it as is leonardo dicaprio was signed on for this movie in that role and they could not come to an agreement on money and he left the role and they cast bradley cooper instead so just think about how much different this film would be 
in reaction to it and discussions after the fact had Leonardo DiCaprio been in the role of Bradley Cooper. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio has already played enough like scumbags. And it was kind of yeah, nice no, to I see mean, Bradley Cooper like go back to his roots because he always used to just play the asshole in like all the like yeah, sack comedy movies. The sack man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the sack. She'll come to you. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we want to hear from you guys. So you guys check out Nightmare Alley on HBO Max. Uh, let us know what you think of the movie. Uh, you could hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at PopCanon. You could also find us in our Facebook group, the PopCanon Collective. Search that, click join, and uh, we'll let you in. Now what? You could also subscribe to us on your favorite <laughs> podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store. Are we allowed to say Spotify now? <laughs> We're still on Spotify. So if you still use it accidentally, you could pretend to not use it and just follow us on that. Um, and where can they watch the video version of this podcast? You can watch video versions of all of our episodes over on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to follow. Is it follow or is it subscribe on YouTube? Subscribe. Yes. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications of all new episode reviews. Uh, <laughs> if you've done all those things and you want to get even more content from each of us separately, we have our own social media. I am at Joe for Broke on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Sarah and Dippity. I just post photos of my dogs. Mm -hmm. But they're cute, so you should follow her. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Yesball. <laughs> and of course, you could always find me on Instagram and Twitter at JL24FPS. So thank you very much for watching and or listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review uh, because we very much appreciate all of those. So go ahead and drop five stars our way. Uh, and don't forget the K because every kiss begins with it. See what I did there? It's <laughs> it's Valentine's it's Day. Valentine's oh, time, yeah. guys. Yeah. Anyway, for Yay. Pop Cannon, I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joe. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next one. I'm Nightmare Alley. <laughs>